Hey everybody, it's Adam. Before we get into this episode, just want to do a little roster review maintenance, as in there's already been some transfers or changes to the roster before we went live since we recorded. Not many this time. That is O-lineman Max Colney and defensive lineman Kaz Melzer. Both of them are walk-ons and both of them are no longer on the roster. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack, quack, quack. quack. Oh my goodness. Another roster review. This time for for the team, really, the Pac-12 team that has been the biggest thorn in Oregon football side. And kind of vice versa. We're like two thorns uh, in each other's... Uh, I don't know where I'm going here. This team has embarrassed us in the past, and uh, we've embarrassed them. It's been a very hurtful rivalry, but still, I mean, one of the the great Pac-12 teams here. I, I got to say, I love that Stanford is is in our conference. I'm glad they're sticking around. It seems like new times for the Stanford football team. And so, of course, to get into this roster, we had to get someone who really knew their stuff. Well, first of all, we have... Hithloday of Addicted to Quack, back once again on the show. How are you doing, Hithloday? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, we, we went to that spring game. It was a beautiful day. There was fans there. Uh, the sun was beaming down on uh, everywhere except for us because we were lucky enough to get in the shade. It was a really good time. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this team coming up, especially since returning to the show we have Jabril Taha, that is Jabril Taha of KZSU Sports Radio, also the senior staff writer of the Stanford Daily. Jabril, nice talking to you. Great to have you back on the show. How are you doing? Nice to be back, guys. Everything's going well. Excited for what should be a new era of Stanford football. Yeah, no joke. I mean, I, was, I really just had to look it up. Uh, as a coach... He was, uh, he's, uh, David Shaw had been on the staff since 2007. And, you know, finally now we're entering a different era, the Troy Taylor era. Has anything been drastically uh, shaken up as of right now, or is it is still too early to tell? Uh, everything's different almost. The culture, the complete <laughs> turnover of the coaching staff that's on field, so many transfers out. Of course, Stanford, very few transfers in. Uh, this team looks a lot different. There was a lot of experience on last year's roster, and this year's team definitely looks very young and very, very different. Was there, like, trauma counseling offered uh, for on campus? You know, like, I have to imagine that, you know, uh, the, the greater portion of most Stanford students' lives was with David Shaw in it. Like, I mean, it's got to be a big shock. Yeah, it was definitely a – I wouldn't say it's – that was that much of a surprise. I coming into last season, I thought he had a couple more years left of losing seasons. But then again, I didn't think we were going to go three and nine with some of the talent on that roster. I mean, that Stanford team just had five draft picks for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a really embarrassing. And they were just and it was, it was still the most 
you know, the fourth most talented team, you know, by right. average roster talent, it was the fourth most talented team, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the pack 12. Um, yeah. And they were just uncompetitive against the, the top yeah. half of the conference, completely uncompetitive. And it was just really painful to watch out of games by halftime again and again and again. And it was time for a change. There had been no change on the coaching staff. David Shaw didn't want to shake up his assistants. Uh, it's, it's time to retire and try to interview for some NFL jobs maybe, and maybe he'll take one in the future, but not this year. And it was definitely time for a change for Stanford football. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I had been saying that for a long time. I certainly can't disagree. Um, and uh, I don't know, a, a long time could be spent on, you know, psychoanalyzing, you know, David Shaw and sort of that, you know, stubbornness. Like I sort of felt like, you know, some, some good things could have happened for Stanford football. Maybe some of that, you know, the nosedive could have been pulled out of if he made some, you know, staff changes under him, but uh, you know, he was just totally unwilling to do that for years. Um, and so now like, it's just, you know, wholesale, you know, yeah. replacement, you know, like for, there have been a couple of, uh, you know, coaching changes in the Pac-12, but like they'll retain, you know, a dude or two, um, n- you know, not so here, uh, just, you know, complete clean out. Um, uh, let's talk about some of these guys. So, some of them I'm familiar with, you know, like on the defense, for some reason, uh, y'all picked up Bob Gregory from Washington. Like you're definitely going to need trauma counseling for that coaches the safeties and the special teams i'm very sorry but we'll talk about the defense a little bit later saw some some interesting stuff here two different offensive line coaches al netter and viani talama avayo um what's the score there yeah so we initially hired clayton adams for to be our run game coordinator essentially Hmm. the number two offensive guy uh, underneath Troy Taylor, but he decided to bolt for the NFL. He'd actually done that to, I think, ASU in the past. Uh, <laughs> took up a job there and then bolted for the NFL. Uh, it seemed like uh, Adams was just trying to get off that Colt staff before a lot of firings happened, secured a job, and then so secured a job at Stanford and then went to the NFL when he had another chance. Uh, so, yeah, that really happened a little late in the process, and then Troy Taylor just had to scramble and pick up a couple of co-offensive line coaches. But yeah, it's even more so Taylor's offense than it was before uh, Adams left for the NFL. Yeah. I gather that, you know, Taylor uh, is probably going to be the play caller here. Um, Although of course it is very confusing to look at the Stanford website and not see anyone labeled the Andrew Luck director of offense yeah. Um, uh, nor the uh, Kevin M. Hogan uh, quarterbacks coach, s- since that, of course, guides me. And those are not ridiculous titles in the slightest. Um, I I do see a human being named uh, Tyler Osborne, yeah. who is the Christian Murthy wide receivers coach, uh, um, uh, but also the assistant quarterbacks coach. I don't know what assistant quarterbacks coach means. Is there a, a for real quarterbacks coach? It's Taylor, your main guy with quarterbacks as well. So Taylor that. is yeah. the head coach, the quarterbacks coach, the offensive coordinator, Co- and the play caller. Yep. Osborne is a guy he brought up from Sacramento State. Huh. So if if Troy Taylor gets hit by a bus, that's it. Game over is <laughs> basically what you're saying. Over a bunch of the offense, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I um, imagine Shaw just comes back at that point. Interesting. <laughs> um uh, all right. So, so, so Troy Taylor is the Bradford M. Freeman director of football and the Andrew Luck director of offense and the Kevin M. Hogan uh, quarterbacks coach. That's a pretty fair characterization. Yeah. Cool. 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 That's not laughable. Um, uh, interesting. And uh, uh, so 
okay, setting aside, I pro- we're going to talk about the roster and, and sort of the unique roster management challenges that Stanford faces. You already sort of touched on a couple of them regarding the transfer portal. Um, but like setting those aside, um, the, you know, if, if Taylor had magic powers and just like first pick of, of the transfer portal and could just completely construct an 85 man roster, however he wanted, what would his offense look like? You know, what kind of quarterback would he want? You know, how would he distribute the wide receivers? What would be the run pass balance? Like what, what would he do? So it's, I wouldn't say complete 180, but it's very different from what we saw under David Shaw. So Taylor's going to be an up-tempo guy, creative offense, spacing he talked about in his opening press conference. Uh, He's someone who's not going to emphasize the tight end play nearly as much. Uh, Definitely no fullback play. It's unfortunate because the best player coming back is a tight end. I know. Yes, he's going to figure out how to use Urosic there. Uh, But no fullback anymore uh, like Mm. we saw under Shaw. Uh, definitely quarterbacks more towards what Stanford has on the roster now. As we've discussed in the past, Stanford Shaw sort of started to recruit more dual threat quarterbacks throughout his time. Uh, at near the end of his time at Stanford, he also missed on some of his big quarterback recruits. Mm-hmm. But the ones he has now uh, are more dual threat with Patu and Daniels. So it. So you expect more of a running, or you would expect Troy Taylor if he had his brothers to have more of a running quarterback game. Uh, yeah, more of a running quarterback game, more of a mobile quarterback game. Uh, basically, a lot different from David Shaw. I think one of the main things we just saw from the spring game was just the tempo of the offense and the tempo of practice was just so much different than under David Shaw. So it's just a wholesale change and a real breath of fresh air for Stanford fans. Uh, and you're expecting sort of a spread attack? Yeah, uh, spread attack, lots of quick throws, uh, lots of use of his wide receivers, more so than sh- over the tight end, more so than Shaw. Are you expecting, um, in terms of run pass, uh, more of a, a balanced offense, more of an aerial attack, uh, you know, run to establish, you know, establishing the run first, or what do you think? A uh, little bit more on the pass-heavy side, although this year with the quarterback situation and where the, mm-hmm. where the running back room is, I I think we're going to see a lot more reliance on the run game than I think once Taylor's able to get his full choice of roster in here. Yeah, th- I mean that's where I was going with this is is you know from from what I watched of Sac State, which weirdly I, I wound up you know watching quite a bit. It's a fun uh, FCS playoff game they had yeah, at the end there. Yeah, um, <laughs> actually, I, you know, I wound up watching a bunch of Big Sky foot you know football for a bunch <laughs> of different reasons. Well, for one thing, Oregon's going to you know uh, start with uh, Portland State uh, uh, next year, so you know, and then like Cal Poly winds up uh, pollinating the uh, the Pac-12 with a bunch of different players. I, I watched a uh, about maybe Arizona State's, you know, starting running back. So mm-hmm. like I, I've I've wound up watching like a bunch of different, you know, Sac State games for a bunch of different reasons. And like you say, it's real entertaining. They went 11-0 last year. Um, like it was fun. Um, but like, I feel like it's not going to be like a cut, cut and paste, you know, like you just can't like import that style in, onto this roster. Like I, I think it would be d- d- difficult to do, for any you know transition but it's going to be especially difficult to do given the roster management challenges with 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 stanford given that like you know as we have talked about many times on on this podcast stanford is is very difficult to turn over this roster quickly because well lots of people can leave but it's difficult to add you know they they have a hard time they they just can't play in the portal nearly as much as as other schools can for you know self-imposed reasons they they can't really take juco's 
early signing day, even if it were an option, you know, it was a late, you know, they got a late start getting the rest of the staff in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it's sort of been, you know, a difficult time, you know, turning over this roster and it's sort of like they got to, they got to play with the roster that they have. And then as I sort of preliminarily look at this roster, I want to ask you a bunch of questions about it, but sort of my initial thinking looking at this roster is, boy, this doesn't exactly look like the type of roster that matches the offense that I was watching when I was watching Sac State. And it sort of sounds like you agree. Oh, for sure. I mean, the strengths are at running back and tight end here, mm-hmm. whatever strengths of the offense there are. Uh, your quarterback for the first time since Kevin Hoagie, you don't have a four-star quarterback waiting in the wings to take over here at Stanford. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, it definitely does not match any more, any type of leaning towards the pass game that Taylor might want to implement. So let's start at talking about these quarterbacks uh, losing Tanner McKee. Um, he got drafted, right? I, yep. Sixth yeah. round, I believe. Yeah. I, you know, I really think he's like, uh, uh, that was kind of a steal. Like I think he's an NFL. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think the offensive line protection at Stanford was never quite what he needed to establish himself and be like the stud that he could be. But like his body is totally ready to go for the NFL. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up having a great NFL career. And there were a bunch of times at Stanford where I was like, this dude is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Um, as just a pure pocket passer, which is yep. of course what the NFL wants. Um, I really, you know, I guess I would say Stanford's really going to miss him. But like, I mean, no shit. <laughs> I mean, of course, of course they are. Um, the, 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 the options that they have to replace, um, him, uh, or at least what they've got right now are, uh, Artie Patu, um, who was, uh, well, he's borderline four star. I think it was an eight, eight, nine, four, uh, in the composite, which is like, you know, six, ten thousandths of a point off from being a four star. Mm-hmm. He attempted 25 passes, um, although not with great passer rating. And uh, the other one is Ashton Daniels, who interestingly, I've spoken to his father before on a podcast. He's a Georgia guy. Um, I, I talked to him last year, who was like their running quarterback option. Mm-hmm. They actually put him in a ton last year, but it was almost exclusively as, you know, for run. He was all, like, I would almost describe him like their wildcat dude. Yeah. Although I think he attempted, you know, like six passes. I, I got to throw him, see him throw the ball a little bit in their spring showcase. Um, God save me. I, I watched that whole thing. Yeah, man. I mean, just based on what film I've seen, I, this seems like no contest. It's got to be Patu. Do you disagree with me, Jabril? I wouldn't say no contest, but definitely I think I'm patu has got to be the presumable starter at this point. I just because I mean he's got an arm, and I've only ever yeah. seen Daniel's legs, right? Right. Yeah, seemed to have the better arm of the two. To had another year develop or another two years develop now. Uh, yeah, Patu has got to be your guy, and no matter how, however this ends up turning out, Patu is unfortunately going to be compared to Miller Moss at USC for the rest yeah. of his time here because uh, Shaw had this policy of only recruiting one quarter, offering one quarterback a year because he thought he was going to get it because it's Stanford. Uh, and he chose Patu over Moss, who was almost certainly going to come to Stanford. So mm-hmm. Patu has some shoes to fill there. Of course, Moss being the backup at USC now. Uh, but yeah, I think Patu is definitely your lead in the quarterback position. He's a junior. Daniels is a sophomore and didn't look particularly good last year. Again, he mostly just ran the ball. But yeah, based yeah. on just the arm talent, you would. But I mean, your guy right now. like, you know, we didn't see him run that much um you know patu but like i don't know he didn't he didn't look unathletic i guess i'll put it that way like it wasn't like watching tanner mckee run where it was like oh no uh you know (laughs) 
you know, I, I think if plays call for him to keep the ball on, you know, designed runs, you know, I don't think that, I, I think that that would be fine. I, I don't know that he's going to be setting any land speed records, but I don't think that, it, you know, if the offense is designed for him to do that, I think that, the, that, 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 you know, is going to be just fine. I, or I guess I'll put it this way. Like if it, I, I don't think that there's, going to be a reason to separate Patu and Daniels based on their running ability. Yeah. Like, I think that that's going to be close enough to equal that it's going to just go back to arm talent and that the arm talent question is going to be like, well, this one's obvious. And yeah. so therefore the question is like, unless Daniels has been hiding his light under a bushel and he's actually got all this arm that David Shaw wasn't using for reasons unbeknownst to man that like, that yeah this has got to be pot two and then and then the only other question is what happens when miles jackson arrives in the fall yeah, he's the other that. he's the other borderline four star i mean his two for seven composite rating is almost identical to pot twos and it's just like we haven't seen him at all like i watched a little bit of his huddle tape he's got kind of a funny like three quarters delivery i'm not sure i'm real wild about this guy it beats me but like I don't know. He didn't play in spring ball. Troy Taylor's like maybe had a donut with him once. Like there, there's no way he displaces Patu, right? Yeah, I highly doubt that. It's, yeah. it's very likely going to be Patu. And I guess for the sake of completion, completeness, I'll say there are a couple of walk-ons on the roster: Charlie Myrer and Bo Nelson. They're still with the program, right? Yep. Okay. Those five guys, I haven't missed anybody. Those are the yeah you mentioned Jackson. Those are your five guys. Yeah. Okay. Predictions. I don't think too well, and I think all Stanford fans are pretty sour on how this quarterback situation is going to go out. And It's going to be a little bit of a jolt for Stanford fans because, sure, the roster overall has been very lacking the last couple of years, but your quarterback's been above average from the Pac-12, to say yeah. the, at the least, above just above average. Uh, now you're going to have to deal with a lot of mistakes probably from the quarterback position in, mm -hmm. in addition to everything else. So that's definitely going to hurt the Cardinal team and probably going to be a little bit of an awakening for this fan base once this season gets kicked off. And especially with the quarterback talent in the Pac-12, I mean, just going down yeah, that right. schedule, it, it's, it's absurd. Like you're going to be big time underdogs in the quarterback room every single game you play in conference pretty much. It, so And like that's how you get back into a game. You know, yeah. if you fall behind, mm -hmm. you know, you need to be able to throw the ball. And like that's also sort of like why you hired Troy Taylor and apparently put him in charge of like five different aspects of the team, you know, and, and it's like, it's just sort of unfortunate that it's like, you know, Hey, you got this guy who like you is the, the head coach, the play caller, the quarterbacks coach and runs a sort of pass heavy, you know, offense. And then, oops, you know, I don't have like a, a you know, a real, you know, gangbusters quarterback. And it's like, well, this is probably going to take a minute to get rolling. Um, oh, and also I can't really take a, 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 a transfer quarterback because this is mm -hmm. Stanford, you know, yeah. like, ah, it would have been nice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all right. Uh, running backs. Um, so uh, first thing we should note is EJ Smith uh, uh, got injured in week two last year um, against USC. I thought he was looking pretty good yeah. um, up until that point. You know, he was a, a highish uh, four star. He's uh, Emmett Smith's kid, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but he's I, I, he's fully healthy now, right? He, he should be. 
Yeah, good to go. Ready to go. Was- it, you know, hard to say because we haven't seen, you know, unfortunately due to his injury and also like he had some good running backs ahead of him earlier in his mm-hmm. career. Um, you know, so we haven't seen a ton of him, but like I've got to project that like you know, assuming that he's fully healthy come the fall and given, you know, what we've talked about uh, in terms of the quarterback situation that like this dude's probably going to be the primary producer for this offense, right? Yeah, you would hope so. As a Stanford fan, EJ Smith taking, uh, getting healthy and showing his full potential at this point as a senior. Um, we saw Casey Filkins, you know, mm-hmm. uh, carry the load last year. I actually, even though his stats don't show it, you know, he only has like a 3.9 yards per carry average last year. You know, I charted all of Stanford's games. I really liked Casey Filkins. I thought it was actually pretty impressive, um, you know, what he was able to accomplish, um, especially considering the offensive line, oh, well, yeah. you know, situation, which, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit. You know, all, all told, I was sort of like, hey, this kid's pretty good, um, or at least. I thought he was really doing more with more with less than I and more than I would have expected, you know, all things considered. You know what I mean, Jabril? Yeah, completely agree. All Stanford fans would agree with you that Casey Filkins was quite impressive last year. He was making the most out of the tiny holes he was getting from the offensive line at that EJ Smith, Casey Filkins duo win healthy, but for, have been very good. But both of them uh, have had their injury issues. And I think the biggest thing for Stanford fans in the running back room is just to stay healthy. I mean, you had a safety, converted safety, Mitch yeah. Lieber t- being your starting running back for like the last third quarter of the season last year. It was it was absurd how much that room got hit. So yeah. hopefully those top two can stay healthy. And if so, it should be one of the better running back duos in the conference. Lieber returns to the team, although I think because they think everybody's healthy again, he's going back to being a defensive back. Correct. Um, they also return, uh, Brendan Barrow who got, uh, used for like, uh, I think he had like 20 touches last year. Mm-hmm. They brought in a couple of true freshmen, uh, Cedric Irvin and Caleb Hampton, uh, who are a couple of three stars, although I don't think they arrive until the fall. And then they got a, uh, oh, I, they sort of broke their standards, I guess, and took a, a portal guy from some, uh, clown college back in New Jersey, uh, Ryan Butler. Um, do you think he's going to contribute? I don't think so too much. I think you're pretty much going to see just EJ Filkins and then Barrow is probably going to be your three. All right. Tight ends. Returning Benjamin Urasik, who I would go so far as to say uh, is the uh, best returning player that Stanford has on the offense. Um, at the very least, he's the uh, he's the most productive. You know, he had uh, 445 yards, uh, receiving yards anyway. Also returning uh, Sam Roush, um, who I thought was uh, pretty much just a blocker, but he got a couple of catches. Also returning CJ Hawkins, Shield Taylor, Lucas Unger. Like, this is too many tight ends for a Troy Taylor offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah completely. Urasek is going to be your guy. And then you would think Troy Taylor would cut down a little bit on the tight end room in the future. But yeah, Urasik's your main guy. And then Roush is probably going to be your backup. But it's going to be really interesting to see how Taylor uses uh, his star receiver is going to be his tight end right here in Urasik in terms of pass catchers. So uh, interesting to see how he adapts his offense to the roster he's been dealt. Well, you know, at the FCS level, they usually don't get guys, 
urosic size. So, it, you know, it may be, you know, not the case that Taylor doesn't know how to use a tight end. It's just you haven't seen him given that option before. So, like, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't discount the possibility that, like, how do I use a tight end? This is alien. <sighs> um, but, like, still, man, I, I would really be surprised if he, you know, he was using five tight ends. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's already, you know, uh, uh, well, they, they already lost G. Simons. I think he ran out of eligibility. Um, and then Bradley Archer transferred to Indiana, which like I learned he was in the portal when I learned he transferred to Indiana. That was he weird. portaled, pulled out, came back to Stanford, and then went back to the portal. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I wouldn't I guess I wouldn't be surprised if like if one of these guys, especially you know, one of the more blocker, you know, esque guys like Shield Taylor, whose like name like literally means yeah, I'm a blocker you know you know hits the portal uh or i guess like the portal window is closed why is he still on the team i don't know uh, i guess he's getting a stanford education for free uh, maybe that explains it anyway yeah no I, I do expect you know quite a bit of the offense to go through your and it sounds like you're great yep. uh, but i don't uh, think that taylor is gonna say well i've got four other tight ends on scholarship i guess i'll go to like an eye formation offense all of a sudden like i don't really think that's in the cards either yeah yeah. yeah, highly doubt that. <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> it was worth asking, I guess. All right, wide receivers. Losing quite a bit here. Yep. Losing uh, Bryson Tremaine, the hero. Um, losing Elijah Higgins. <laughs> I always like Bry- Bryson Tremaine. Like, what a story, too. It's like a two-star yep. that like everybody ignored. Losing Elijah Higgins and, and Michael Wilson. Uh, losing Colby Bowman. Uh, I think he hit the portal underutilized. I think those four departures are it. Yeah, those four are the big ones, yep. Yeah. Bringing back John Henfries, uh, who's probably the the headliner here. Correct. Bringing back a couple of guys that we saw, you know, just a little bit, although I sort of understood why we only saw a little bit of them given, you know, the distribution of passes to, mm-hmm. you know, Jurassic Humphreys, the four guys that we just, uh, you know, mentioned who departed, plus, you know, the the running backs um, were getting, a, you know, a good deal of catches. The 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 other two being uh, uh, receivers being Medea Rubin and Silas Starr, you know, I, I have to figure uh, that those guys are probably going to be getting a lot more catches now, you know, given that they can't possibly go to anybody else. Um, yeah. Uh, or, or have I missed something? Uh, I like Bryce Farrell to get a bunch of touches as well. Uh, so John Humphreys, you're clear number one, uh, completely yeah. right. Farrell, Star, and Medea Rubin. And then also keep an eye on Tiger Bachmeyer, the freshman early enrollee. Uh, mm-hmm. Troy Taylor has talked about him quite a bit, and he got a bunch of touches in that spring game. So yeah, uh, he's someone to keep an eye on, I'd say, as your breakout surprise candidate. What was the story of Bryce Farrell? Um, you know, he didn't uh, get, he came in in 2020. I, I didn't really see him in 2020, and then I didn't really see him in 2022. He got like 14 receptions in 2021, right. which isn't very much, but then he went back down to zero in 2022. Was he hurt, or what was the deal? Uh, the wide receiver room was completely de- destroyed by injuries in 2021. So that oh, helped he get a victims. bunch of touches. And then, yeah, last year, I mean, when you have Higgins, Zirosek, Wilson, those guys catching for Tremaine, Farrell was kind of the odd man out a bunch. Well, you know, Humphreys is huge, right? Like he's yeah. six five. He was the it was like Humphreys on one side and Tremaine on the other side mm-hmm. as just those like enormous, you know, uh, uh, you know, flankers. And then, you know, but I figured that you know, there's you know, given the way that you know, I think that uh, Taylor's going to run his offense, like I 
probably think there's a role for a slot guy, you know? So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Farrell figures in, you know, is the, is the short slot guy there. And, and yeah, Bachmeyer will be interesting to keep an eye on. The, the other three freshmen that got recruited, I don't think come in until the fall, right? Borden, Harris, yep. and Sisse. Yeah. Okay. And then Ayamanor yeah, and Reigns uh, have been on the team for uh, one or two years, but I don't think I've seen them at all. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't expect them to see that much. Okay. Um, do you think there's, you know, not going to be a whole lot of rotation then? Because, like, this winds up being a fairly small room. Like, I, I think, you know, we're really only counting up about, like, five receivers that we've talked about. Humphreys, Ruben Starr, Farrell, Bachmeyer, and one tight end, Jurassic. You know, like, that's, that's a pretty small rotation, like. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. I don't think there's that much in this wide receiver room. I, it really got drained last year. So you might see quite a bit at the beginning of the season to figure out that little more condensed rotation. But overall, I think you're going to, I think there's going to be a pretty clear group of who's the capable wide receivers in this room. I mean, the thing that I would worry about if I were a Stanford fan and, and therefore like tripled the, the number that there were, um, it is that like, Hey, this will be like, you know, how many years over the last couple of years has it been wide receiver, you know, injury catastrophe zone? Mm -hmm. Like if that happens again, like, oh my God. Yeah. It's yeah. You could say that about anywhere on this roster. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really uh, yet again, you know, the, the unique roster management challenges that Stanford faces and, and you know, combine that with, you know, w what happens to every team when you have a coach departure, which is a lot of guys leave. Um, and that, I mean, this was going to happen anyway, given that, like, you know, the, the these wide receivers were all old, right? Like Higgins mm -hmm. was a senior, Tremaine and Wilson, I think were both, you know, fifth years, you know, like a lot of, you know, Archer was a fifth year. Like, dude, a lot of these guys are getting long in the tooth. There's going to be even more turnover next year. Boy, oh boy, this roster is going to be really hard to manage. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, it's just going to be a really tiny roster. And even though the NCAA, like, you know, um, waived the 25 initial counter rule, like Stanford's kind of like one of the few programs in the country that can't just like do the Colorado thing and add 50 dudes. And it's like, they need to add 50 dudes. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of positions that are just like, boy, I sure hope that no one gets hurt so that they can field 11 players, you know, yep. and, and wide receivers, like definitely, you know, one of those positions, especially given as, you know, as we've been talking about, like Troy Taylor definitely looks to me like he's a four wide kind of dude, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, in this circumstance, probably a three wide plus a tight end, but just like playing your like a Y receiver, you know, so might as well think of him like a four wide, wide team you know like oh man i sure hope they don't get a single injury in the wide receiver i mean i always hope that because like who the hell is rooting for injuries but you know what i mean you know like this could be really bad news you know if they get a single injury and like when the hell has stanford finished a season without a single injury in the wide receiver room yeah not in recent years uh offensive line yikes <laughs> boy this real. group lost everyone Boy, they sure did. Let's count them. Um, Walter Rouse, the left tackle. Uh, Jake Hornerbrook, the left guard. Drake Nugent, the center. Uh, Barrett Miller, who sort of played every position. Um, Drake Metgaff, who I saw at points at right guard. Uh, Miles Hinton, who I saw playing both right tackle and left tackle. Um, 
let's see, Branson Bragg uh, left the team after like a couple of weeks into the season. I think he just retired. Medically retired, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Kenji Swanson never really got the score there, but he was yeah. j- just left the team as a freshman. And then the three guys who I think are walk-ons, but um, who I normally wouldn't mention, but just, uh, you know, getting thin. And so I figured, you know, got to mention everybody. Uh, Jason Amsler, Will Gibson, and Matthew Moore, I believe, have all left the team as well. Yep. Okay, that's a lot. Did a I miss anything? Total of two transfers in on the offensive line. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is more than I would have expected to, to be honest. Um, and then, well, there I mean, is this act- should still be enough offensive linemen to beat Washington at least. Yeah, that's oh. something we can all agree on. Yeah, <laughs> it only took you like three or four that last time you did it. <laughs> there are well, let's talk about the new guys since you mentioned them. Um, two transfers in, uh, Trevor, both from the FCS ranks, I believe. Uh, Trevor Mayberry. Um, who I, who was available for spring. And I saw him in the, the spring showcase. Yes. Um, I, I saw him in the left guard position during their practices. Um, and Alec bank, um, who I don't believe was available for spring. I think he shows up in the fall. Yep. He shows up in the fall. Okay. There was one piece of, and only one piece of interesting information that I got from watching the entire spring showcase. It was sandwiched in between very lengthy interviews with Rod Gilmore and the six time defending national champion men's gymnastics coach, um, which was a very tepid interview given that like the only question they could ask is like, what is it like to be the six time defending national champion men's gymnastics coach, but still was a more interesting interview than Rod Gilmore because it was literally any other human being living or dead than Rod Gilmore. Uh, uh, and that piece of information was that uh, Austin Uke, the defensive yeah. lineman um, wearing number 72 uh, was with the offensive line unit and was like practicing offensive line reps. Is that, first of all, did I see that correctly? And second of all, is that a thing? Is he an offensive lineman now? Oh, he keeps flip-flopping. He did this last year as well. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah, I know he got reps there last year. I uh, never was officially flipped on the roster though, but uh, yeah, he, now he's back to D-line on the roster, but as you said in that interview, he's getting snaps in the office. So, who knows? They're just trying to plug holes, I think, at this point. And that's not a great sign where you mean is at that point. Like, well, okay, there's the the, the only other additions. Uh, I mean, unless they snatch somebody else out of the transfer portal, which like, I mean, if they were going to do it, they would have done it by now, I should mm-hmm. think. The only other additions are four true freshmen, which like, that's a good start. You need to be getting some. Like, probably needed to get like 20 true freshmen. But four is a number. It's like a whole number too. It's they didn't get like half of somebody. The the true freshmen are Simeon uh, Palais, uh, Luke Beklenko, Charlie uh, Simons, Ellen Thomason. Th- those four like they're all like mid like they're they range from eight eight oh four to eight four one seven. So like not knock your socks off talents, but like hey it's something. Um, but none of them arrive until the fall. I'm not really expecting any of them to contribute right away, right? Yeah, I wouldn't expect that on the offensive line. Okay. Um, dude, I mean, there are... Okay, so I count... Let's see. Uh, one... Okay, I count eight returners, two transfers. Let's set aside the four freshmen, so that's ten. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, they they ought to just convert UK. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like, they need them. They need the bodies, like... 
Yep, I have ten on the spring roster. Those fresh freshmen, freshmen you have coming in, and then okay on the defensive line. You can and like two, in, and then in, bank. Yeah, in in the ten that I just mentioned, one of them hasn't shown up yet. Bank, and two of them are walk-ons. Uh, uh, Max Colney and Logan Burzens, and one of those two walk-ons, Logan Burzens. Look at his photo on the Stanford roster. He looks insane. Which I don't like. I mean, that might be an asset with a lineman, frankly. But like, oh my god, um, yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, like, this isn't enough bodies. Um, it really like, I, I'm really worried. Like that they may not be able to play a game competitive football at this point. Like, I think the only returning starter is Levi Rogers, right? Yep, he's the only guy I would put in pen. <laughs> yeah, in roster, yeah. Um, I think during the course of the season, I saw you know playing. Uh, you know, because I charted all of Stanford's games, mm -hmm. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I did it. Uh, I, I saw playing right tackle at different points during the season for like one game apiece. I saw Connor McLaughlin, Jack Lehrer, and Fisher Anderson. Um, so they have like three different right tackles, like one game apiece, and then that's it. Like, I, I don't think I saw the other, um, I don't think I saw Luke's higher, I don't think I saw James Pogarelsh. Um, I don't think I saw Jake Mykula. Um, yep. and then I don't think I saw the two, um, uh, uh, walk-ons I mentioned Burzens or Colney. Yep. Um, uh, I have a really hard time guessing who I think the starting lineup would be like, I mean, I guess I would think that Anderson and Lyra would be, I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah. Okay. Liar. I, put at right tackle right now okay uh levi rogers one of the guard spots and i put mayberry at the other one okay uh, left tackle i could see it being anderson but i could also see it being bank from harvard that's probably who knows there but that's a competition i think uh and then center honestly could be may it could be like jake Makula or convert one of the guards Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really 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 hard to predict all this offensive line change, but yeah, I, I definitely say based on the amount of I think Hayer got over uh, late Layer Jack Layer got like over 250 snaps last season, so I think he has to be your favorite for the right tackle position right now. No, I mean that makes sense, and I mean higher. Lucas higher higher is was fairly highly rated out of high school. He was actually something of a recruiting a recruiting coup uh, for this team, which are is somewhat rare uh, anymore anyway. Uh, but he was a true freshman last year. And so sort of like, I understood why he didn't really play, but like they might need to press him into service, you know, yeah. as a true sophomore this year. And I'm not really sure like his body type, he could be a tackler or could be a guard. I don't know, man, like this one's, it's really hard to peg, yeah. you know? And like in 2023, a lot of teams are experimenting, you know, with getting portal guys, which like, frankly, I, you know, I call it an experiment because I've never seen it work. Like, but so many teams are trying to do it. Like it's like, I'm going to have more data on transfer portal offensive linemen at the end of 2023 than I had for 2018 through 2022 combined. Like, um, I, you know, and I might wind up changing my tune on this question simply because I will be flooded with so much more data, but like the 18 to 22 data on portal transfer, you know, offensive linemen is not promising you know it's i would actually in kind of a funky way rather be in stanford's position and just be sort of forced to play the dudes that you got who've been sort of you know working together for all this time um but it's just like 
they they haven't seen the field you know like and, and yeah. it's really hard and you know from the from the prognosticator's standpoint that the virtue of getting transfer portal offensive linemen is you went and out and got that guy for a reason like it's easy mm-hmm. for me to pencil in transfer portal offensive linemen it's hard for me to do that for stanford because it's like okay you know one fcs guy who came in for the spring like what am i supposed to do with that you know boy oh boy this is hard to pencil in yeah i like i'd still like rogers and mayberry probably for those guard spots center you have no idea really and then I'd say Anderson, uh, Bank, maybe McLaughlin, even in competition for one of the tackle spots, and then later at the other one. I mean, that's got to be it. I think so. Yeah. You have any guess for how this goes? I mean, they have two offensive line coaches. That's like that's got to be good, right? Like, two- <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I don't think it's going to be very promising. I mean, he's lost so much talent and the offensive line these were all these guys who were just backups last year uh, it's, yeah. it's really gonna like it's gonna be it's gonna have to be a really incredible coaching job to like be anywhere like pretty pretty anywhere close to like league average offensive line league average in the pack 12 too in the pack 12 yeah um yeah man like and then like especially if they're gonna have to be like leaning on the run game mm-hmm. oh boy you know what you need in order to make that work yeah yeah, beats me, man. Like, a, oh boy. Uh, hey, let's switch over and talk about the defense. That's got to be a lot better, right? The oh defensive, the defensive line for the first time in like forever. Like, I think for the first time that I've ever talked to you, Jabril, is like returning everybody. Uh, at least I think, right? All um, major contributors. Yeah, you're gonna see pretty much the same name. Uh, yeah, on the D line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, first of all, let, let's sort of clear up the. Um, they are. Re- <sighs> okay. It was always a three-four defense. They sort of yep. lied uh, last year um, uh, about what they were switching it to, but it was, you know, it was always a three-four. Uh, they and so it is, you know, they have. It, it, it's just the positions are where they sort of always were. They have defensive linemen. You know, the key contributors being Tobin Phillips, Jackson Moy, uh, you know, Anthony Franklin. Franklin. Um, and then, you know, they, they have backups here, um, who I don't think played, but like they were recruit recruited to play this position and their body types are appropriate for this mm-hmm. position. They're about like six to two eighty, which is like, yes, that's what you're supposed to be, you know, to play interior defensive lineman in a three down, you know, front, which is, you know, okay. Assuming, um, Zach Rowell, Zach Buckley pack. Uh, Kahi, right? Mm-hmm. There's a true freshman here, uh, Braden Marceau Elienka. He arrives in the fall. And I think there's only one departure, Jacob Katona, yep. although I've never really been clear if he was on the team or not. I think there's a couple of walk-ons here, but who are like rated out of high school. Stanford has a bunch of these like rated out of high school walk-ons, which is always interesting. Matthew Merritt, Kaz Melzer, Aristotle Taylor, and Zephron Lester. So like there's a bunch of depth. I, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm I'm wild about this defensive line group but that hey there's a bunch of them they're the year right, older yeah they're they're the right body types they're playing in the defensive front that they're supposed to that maybe they'll stop the run a little bit like what would am I being too optimistic here what do you think they have a low bar in terms of past Stanford teams the past couple uh, yeah. of years in terms of stopping the run but uh, it should be better than next year I don't think anyone's uh, the it would be nice to have a defensive line, a proven defensive line transfer. Uh, but this line is 
definitely it it it, it should be serviceable this year. I'm, I, I'm more I thought optimistic with the return. I mean, my opinion, and please let me know if you think I'm wrong about this, but I thought what they were trying to do last year was stupid. I thought, especially, I thought the one down defensive structure that they were doing, where they would go to like it was almost a mm-hmm. one five five, right. you know was like well of course you can't stop the run doing that um like i think they're sort of set up given you know the bodies that they have in the room yes they're sort of inexperienced but they're the right type of bodies and that they have phillips moy and franklin who have some experience under the belts you know they all played 12 games last year you know they all got at least 15 tackles uh you know, that they'll just play a three down front. They'll rotate them with, yes, you know, these are inexperienced guys, but they'll, they'll be able to rotate them Mm -hmm. that like, this will be a normal three down front, like the way that you're supposed to play. And they won't be doing dumb stuff like they were last year. Like, how can this not get better? Like, yeah, it should, it should be and better coaching on top of that, hopefully. So, well, I mean, I would think, um, I mean, it's not Lance Anderson. I got, let me take a break here. Now that you're not required to defend him anymore. Like this guy was terrible, right? Oh, it was, it was pretty atrocious these last few years. I mean, everyone wanted, had been wanting staff changes for years and, uh, Shaw was pretty firm about that and didn't want to do that. And mm-hmm. that's sort of one of the reasons why we ended up with the sort of complete multi-year rebuild situation we're in right now yeah no joke man um they brought in uh from wisconsin although he wasn't the head guy he was sort of like the right hand man um mm-hmm. bobby april uh what can you tell us about him uh he's gonna run so as you said back to the three four runs that with a mix of a nickel so two four five there uh, and he's had pretty good defenses at wisconsin uh, they've been i think the median was 12 uh, over his time when he was there in terms of nationally. Uh, I think one of the big things was once we got uh, the DC, we wanted to bring over those other guys too with him. So you got uh, Kalaji on the defensive line as well. Mm -hmm. You got another Wisconsin uh, assistant with them. Uh, So bringing over those other guys was pretty key to try to keep that intact. And, Got to hope, especially was that, the way... Was that D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio, the yeah. You were the inside linebackers coach. Yeah. Right, so we got that Wisconsin trio, uh, and hopefully that's a really solid core group there. I mean, Wisconsin's known for almost turning some of those three-star guys on the defensive line linebacker core into some very productive players, so... That's the hope there, and I thought it was pretty important to be able to secure that trio. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I, you know, I had to, I've had to study Wisconsin actually quite a bit because Oregon winds up playing them in the Rose Bowl like every five years, and, and like they introduced a particular defensive structure years and years and years ago, and it's interesting because they've gone through a couple different def- defensive coordinators, but they sort of stuck with the same structure. It's not this defensive structure but like there are enough principles in common that like yeah i can definitely see the translation and just like general position coaching competence that like yeah i would i mean they didn't get jim leonard but like i sort of feel like yeah this is like next best you know thing and like it's not lance anderson so how could it not (laughs) no this is a fine hire and i think it actually exceeded expectations of what stanford thought of what fans thought troy taylor was going to be able to do yeah, and honestly. Jason, yeah, Jason Garrett was one of those names floated in the coaching search and made a visit on campus. And everyone thought he would have much more pull in terms of pulling assistance than uh, uh, Taylor did. But I think people are fairly, very, quite happy with what he put on the defensive side of the ball and what he's been able to bring over to the farm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, to be perfectly honest, like uh, the the, I mean, I don't th correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that April has like been a DC before. Like, I don't no, think he's don't run the so. show before. But like, you know, with with that, you know, asterisk, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of like the pedigree coming in here, like I would sort of. I would expect to instantly put just the coaching competence of this group up in like the top half of the Pac-12 simply because where they're coming from, you know, what they've accomplished, you know, basic, you know, competence and just, you know, from what I know of Wisconsin's defense and how it translates to this roster, I don't think it's a bad fit either the way that like sometimes, uh, you know, like, like um, Don Brown going to Arizona where like what he wants to do versus that roster that he inherited, like didn't make any sense. Like this, does kind of make sense and so it's like yeah this should work um or at least you know you know not have to have a, a you know a, a lag uh, you know i actually think this uh was pretty close to a home run higher like I, I yeah really but, like it. yeah no stanford fan really should be complaining about this higher solid higher i think taylor was one of the names that immediately popped up once shaw resigned uh, there's really not not too much to complain about uh, you would hope uh, I think you'd want a little bit of a stronger offensive staff around Taylor. And of course, some of that mm. fell through with Adams uh, leaving for the NFL. Yeah. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, it's it, everyone just wanted a wholesale change and we all got it. So uh, the outside linebackers, um, which I will expect in the structure of this defense for uh, to, to play two, you know, on any given snap, you know, one on each side of the line. Mm -hmm. Um, returning or, or well, let's start with the, the losses, losing Stephen Heron, um, uh, who, you know, turned out to be, uh, he was, uh, he was a four star. He came in in 2019, didn't really show a lot to start out with, but the last two years I thought was like, Hey, there he is. Yeah. Is that Louisville now? Oh yeah, he, that's right. He transferred to Louisville. Um, uh, Anais de Cosmo, who I never really feel like I, I understood very well, but he's transferred out as well. The, the phenomenally named, uh, Thunder Justice Keck, uh, has finally, uh, run out of eligibility. I think that's it for departures from this unit. Yeah. Returning David Bailey, mm -hmm. great player. He was huge to keep him on the farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he was a true freshman last year. I think he was their highest rated recruit, you know, played right away. And, like, you know, we both of us, like, you know, when we were talking last year, just immediately saw it in the, mm -hmm. you know, out of spring practices, like, oh, yeah, this dude definitely playing right away. Like, he's ready to go. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's great. Um, and I think he's just going to get better too. like, to the extent that I had like, you know, um, you know, when I was charting him, like to the extent that I had problems, you know, with his play it was just like, well, it's because this guy's young and he like, you know, he needs to like pack on a little mass, you know, like he needs to mature a little bit, which like, Hey, that's what time is for. Um, and time has passed. So like, yeah, no, I'm expecting great things out of him. Um, uh, this year, I don't expect you disagree. Do you? No, yeah, he's he's your star of the defense and potentially star of the team. I guess I'm curious who you think the other one would be, though. Like we've been waiting a little while for it to be Aaron Armitage. Do you think it might be him? It could be. Uh, that's the big question here. The other guy is starting opposite him. Uh, definitely between Cooper uh, and Armitage is what I would go with. Cooper uh, was Ibar the other true freshman, or I yeah. guess there were two other true freshmen who came in, who four stars who came yeah. in the 2022 class, right? Cooper yeah. and Tafiti, and it was just like their stars didn't burn as bright as Bailey, right? Um, yeah, high bar though. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, and then Armitage was a four star who came in the year before in 2021. And like, 
I don't know, man. Just like, I mean, all of all three of the guys that I just mentioned, Armage, Cooper, and Defeaty, they all played last year, yeah. but you know, they were behind here and into Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And then there's one other guy like Lance Kennelly, you know, who was ahead of all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like a mid three star. Um, yeah. He returns to, he's a senior this year. And, and I guess sort of like that's to me, I, I think that's the question that I'm looking at is like, does the senior Kennelly, you know, the sort of like, low ceiling high floor guy because he's experienced Mm -hmm. you know does he does he you know stay on top of them or do the talented you know or ostensibly talented youngsters sort of break through and take his job away do you you think i'm framing that correctly no that's exactly the question i think stanford fans are pretty excited about the young lot young talented depth they're sort of starting to build in that outside linebacker group but yeah kennelly got as you said got the most snaps last year out of those guys so it's Bailey's definitely the guy, one of your guys, and then Armitage, Cooper, Kennelly, and maybe Tafiti has something to say about it. Abar is also a former four star too. But yeah, man, hey, look, I I will ask you literally word for word the exact same question that I asked you this time last year, because you know he was a four star and we didn't see anything out of him. Yeah, and so exact same question again: Has ship sailed on this dude? No clue. I do not have any inside info to tell you whether or not, but he's still on the roster. Still on the roster. Yeah, that one's going to my article. Yep. Uh, (laughs) The highest praise that Jabril had to offer. Yep. Uh, Two true freshmen come in in the fall, Gavin Gewinger and Omar Staples. I don't expect them to contribute. They're like mid three stars and there's a bunch of dudes ahead of them. Right. Yep. Okay. Inside linebackers. Uh, Tristan Sinclair is somehow still on the team, as is Spencer Jorgensen. Is that it? Like, is that Uh, competition over? I think Bernadel, the FIU transfer, has a lot. He led FIU in tackles last year. He'll definitely have a lot to say about that. How, I think he, Sinclair, and Jorgensen are your three how guys. How did an FIU transfer happen? I, I mean, y'all, I was very surprised. Y'all have spent all this time telling me about the unique roster management challenges that Stanford faces. And then like, oh, yeah, I it was because it's an international school. Was that it? Did they think it was like the Sorbonne or Oxford or something? Uh, <laughs> probably has very good grades, but my guess is uh-huh, in order uh-huh. to be able to transfer there. But yeah, no, it, it was, I was definitely surprised. I, people think we're sort of just going to raid the Ivy schools. Now this was definitely a little out of the blue and it was it actually gave Stanford fans a lot of false hope getting this one first. Cause it made us think, wow, admin really opened up how much we they were really going to let football the use the portal. And then it just, and then that was, it. It was it. just a couple Ivies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm very upset that this was the first one because it got all of us very excited. <laughs> Do you think Bernadelle just knocks out Jorgensen and it's Sinclair yeah, and Bernadelle? Yeah, I would, I would think so. I, I I think Sinclair and Bernadelle is what most of us have the starting, but those three are your guys. Should I then infer that the other three returners who didn't play last year, Dubray, Hudson, and Rose, even though they were you know fairly young guys, do you think they're they're just backups? They're going to be backups, probably maybe get some rotation in, but no, though you have a, I think a clear top three there. Departures: uh, Demuni, Mizen, Magnum, Ferrar, and Cull. Yep. Did I miss Miazon, anybody? Yeah, Miazon's playing lacrosse at Virginia. Now you should see some yeah, of these videos that. of him. Like, just he's just so much bigger than like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely need to play lacrosse if you want to get big. <laughs> that's that's what they say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, this is another position where it's like you know I feel like we've been talking about 
you know, Sinclair de Mooney, Musin, and Megan Farrar for, for a long time. And I'd been saying the same thing you for had. a long time, which is that, like, I don't think much of these guys, but David Shaw is never going to move on from them. You know, the position's not going to improve until these guys leave. They've left. Um, and so, and so is David Shaw. So, like, it's another position where I'm sort of like, kind of by default, I can't help but think that this is going to get better because because it can't get worse right like uh, you can say I mean, that it about can always a lot get worse. of the team <laughs> i shouldn't have said that it can always get worse man but like you know what i mean it's sort of like i think that they were stuck with some underperformers for a long time now they're no longer stuck with them so like out outlook is sunny right yeah i would agree with that i think if people are just ready to move on and uh, when the first time you told me about those takes about Miazon and, and Magnum Ferrara, I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh, they're still going to get a little better as they get older. You were completely right on that. I mean, they just like oh, no improvement whatsoever in that. That because the tackling was just has just been really, really poor the last couple of years in the second level. I just really, you know, like that. I mean, that's a that's a curse of Shaw thing, you know, like uh, you know, where you know, if a dude is is adequate, he's just going to but but not great like he, he's just like well i'm sorry until he runs out of eligibility that's what you're stuck with you know like right. uh and yeah um you know i i guess the the question is going to be you know i'm sort of zooming out here for a moment like is that something that stanford's roster management situation sort of forces upon any coach and so like, even if Troy Taylor wanted to manage things differently, he doesn't have a choice. Um, or will he find a way to do things differently so that if there are underperformers, you know, that he, you know, I mean, like the, the introduction of Bernadelle suggests like maybe there is another way, but then the fact that it was only Bernadelle maybe suggests mm -hmm. it's a one-off. Like, I don't know, man, like it's worth, I mean, Stanford is a, is a, uh, maybe, maybe you don't appreciate being the bug under the microscope Jabril, but like I, I, as an outsider really enjoy looking at Stanford because like it presents so many, it's so different, you know, as a, you know, to study, you know, roster management and now with a new coach who maybe wants to do things differently, it's, you know, provides me like, it'll, you know, it's like David Shaw got to be my control group and now I get an experimental group, <laughs> you know, like I, I get to con conduct like a kind of a natural experiment here and like maybe all these things i've been complaining about with david shaw like well maybe he was forced into some of these things um you know uh, we'll see. i guess so all right defensive backs oh boy we yeah lost everyone here. yeah pretty much man losing kai blue kelly the cornerback who really uh bloomed in the last couple of years losing uh ethan bonner uh salim uh turner mohanamid who you know we kept waiting to bloom but yeah. uh, didn't uh transferred out nicholas tumor uh brandon jones and then the the safety position uh losing uh jonathan mcgill who been around forever uh kendall williamson same story patrick fields uh like one of the few transfers came in from mm -hmm. uh, oklahoma sort of surprised everybody um i think that's it for the departures did i miss anybody yep not yep uh you got kendall williamson did you get him yeah 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 okay uh, you know, I would characterize McGill Williamson Fields as starters. I would definitely characterize Kelly uh, as a starter. 
Bonner and Salim. So those are your six most visible yeah. guys in the secondary all gone. Yeah. The guy who returns with the most tackles is Alakai Gilman. Mm-hmm. I, although I'm not sure how how that happened like you know because you know i charted all their game like was he a special teams dude like what like i didn't see him on the field that much like yeah I, i'm looking at the snap counts now and I'm, I'm surprised looking back seeing him with almost 300 uh snaps played i mean it didn't feel like with that secondary having those three guys in the yeah. williamson fields it didn't seem like he played as much but i'm i'm actually, I'm, I'm saying with you i'm quite surprised looking at this snap count i think it, here. i think he must have played on special teams a lot I ain't, well, I, I, I mean, a lot of snaps on defense. Though. How do you think that Gilman figures into the new look I defense? Think he's your clear starting safety. Uh, and I mean, then him, yeah, he has to be at this point. It looks like. Well, they get okay. They get, <laughs> you know, who actually the most experienced guy is is Mitch Leiber. It's just that he was playing running back last year. There's a lot of snaps last year. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a ton of snaps. <laughs> <laughs> um. Boy, it's difficult to construct this because just like there's no experience, and the the two guys who had the most experience was Lightfoot was playing a running back, and yeah. Gilman. Like both of us are sort of like, what? Are you sure, Mister Stat Keeper? Like that's that that that's accurate? Like, yeah, I think. Yeah, if you want me to take a stab at this for this second, I do. Uh, so Zarin Manley has joined the team again. He's a senior now, so that's oh, big really? news. Yeah. So oh, wait, okay. Yeah, he missed 2022. Right, yeah, so I do have quit, him on my list. Back. Yeah, so that's big news, and he very well could be your starting cornerback there. Hmm. Uh, I think along with him, Jimmy Ryrick is probably your best guess for number two in terms of the cornerback hmm. room. And then okay. on safety, it's got to be Gilman and then probably either like Porter or Slocum there as your guys in the safety room. And I don't know how good of a safety Mitchell Eagber is. We've never really known that, but yeah, I, I'd say, I'd say those guys and Colin Wright should factor in the equation. Uh, but no, this is a, I mean, again, he played a little, I mean, I think he's the yeah. only cornerback who played, uh, but he, even he like only played a little tiny bit and he was a true yeah. freshman last year, but I mean, yeah, everybody this- in this room was a true freshman last year. Joshua Thompson, uh, who's a returner anyway? Thompson was a true freshman last year. Williams, Williams was a true freshman. Oh, I guess Caleb Ellis wasn't. Um, but you know, that's because he was a much. true sophomore. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, they got a couple of um, they uh, 2023 recruits, uh, Frasto Ramos and uh, Morris, but I don't think they joined into the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the safety room, they got uh, Che Oja Rikre. Um, but I don't think he joins into the fall. Nope. Let's see. Uh, they got uh, Scotty Edwards. I think he's coming in from an LDS mission. He played a little bit last year. Yeah, listed yeah, no. on a sophomore as the roster. Yeah, no. I mean, the cornerback position is really difficult to figure out because, like, Caillou Blue Kelly, you know, was mm-hmm. was very good, and they had a rotation at the other spot. You know, Bonner, Slim, Muhammad, Manley. It's going to be interesting, you know, because he's sort of, you know, he, he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, you generally do not like trusting cornerbacks who are inexperienced and young. Um, and like, that's what this room is. Um. Thankfully, the offenses in the Pac-12 should be terrible next year. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. no real great quarterbacks who stand yeah. out to me. Um, uh, you know, a little more experience in the safety room, although not much. Um, boy, oh boy, like it's you know going to be a real trial by fire here in the defensive backfield. Like, you know, better hope that the the defensive front you know knows what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. 
and, and you really better hope that the edge rush, you know, is getting home. Um, because if they're not, and these guys are left out on islands, like it's, I mean, they could really give it up. USC points. week two. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, like, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, really like I, the, the, I, I think that you could actually, man, oh man, I'm just the doom and gloom guy. Really? I'm, I'm, it's not like I, I relish this or anything, but like, here's the, here's the, you know, what I, I really see coming for Stanford, uh, unfortunately, is that like, there is actually demonstrable, measurable if you look for it, but people won't be interested in looking for it improvement in the defensive front. Like mm -hmm. it'll be real. Like there, there actually will be talent and coaching upgrades um, or at least like, it'll be better fit for the talent that they're retaining. Um, like Bailey is no joke. Uh, you know, I think what I was saying about the defensive line, returning guys and having bodies that make sense is no joke. You know, moving on from the underperformers that, uh, at inside linebacker is no joke. Like, I really do think the defensive front is going to genuinely be better, but it's not going to matter because this, the, the backfield is just going to be, you know, a bunch of kids who are going to be learning on the job. Uh, like real, real kids, real young. And, and the quarterbacks in this league are just going to light them up and, and, uh, and, and no one's going to know. And like, you're going to look at the stat sheet and, and just like defenses or, or, or footballs is a, a, a reactive game, right? Like offensive coordinators are paid to attack you where you're weakest, you know, like that they're, they're just not going to bother running against what may be a good run defense, uh -huh. you know, uh, you, you know, they're, they're just going to light up this defensive backfield and, and the defensive stats are going to look poor, even if the defensive front is, you know, demonstrably better. Jabril is, is the horrible story that I'm spinning you. Like, does it sound like a reasonable story? Do you think I'm crazy? Yeah. And you might even be higher on the defensive front than a bunch of us are over here. I mean, we still maybe are traumatized a little by the last <laughs> couple of years. We see everyone leaving who was already not performing. Mm. Uh, yeah. You got to hope these guys. That's a double I mean, negative Jabril, right? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know. You got to hope that like somehow some of these guys who we had no idea who had some talent, just like really connect with the new coaching staff and are able to grow as players here. And yeah. It, you got to hope there was something really, really wrong with the coaching staff even more than we already think there. Um, I mean, I guess what I would say is that like, I mean, I don't know much about the offensive coaching assistants and it is a little weird that Troy Taylor has taken on like five jobs, Yeah, but I, and like Bob Gregory, Jesus Christ, you know, what the hell is this? Um, and I don't know anything about Paul Williams, the cornerbacks coach. Um, and, and, and actually like, I always sort of had a soft spot for Dwayne Aquina. So like, I don't know, man, that might be a downgrade, uh, in terms of like the, I don't know. What did you think about Dwayne Aquina? Now that you don't have to defend him, like what what did you think about Dwayne Aquina? I mean, he turned out a couple of good guys there, especially in my time here. I mean, he had a Debo, and then Caillou is his brother. Kendall Williamson got drafted. Uh, I think uh, the secondary wasn't fantastic. They, but I think a lot of the secondary struggles the last year, at least a good portion of it, were due to the defensive line. So I don't know how accurately we can judge mm -hmm. how how well he did, but I definitely. Akina is not the one who felt all our fury uh, yeah. when I don't. Yeah. He's definitely not the person we most wanted to see get off campus, but it's it, there was people were thinking he was going to retire pretty soon anyway. So it doesn't I, seem like a gigantic loss, but no, ever, I think he's viewed overall like decent. Well, that's Stanford. I guess where I'm going with this is that like all told 
even though I got, you know, I got some complaints. I, I got some complaints with Bob Gregory. I, I got some complaints with like, I think Troy Taylor's probably trying to do too much here and that probably you don't need two offensive line coaches. You need your own quarterbacks coach, like for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but like all told, I, you know, I got to think that this coaching staff is an upgrade over the like zombie coaching staff that, that David Shaw was like keeping going there for a while. Um, and that, uh, you know, what these guys really need is just some time because they can't install 50 new do- dudes um, unlike you know, other programs. Yeah. Uh, and that like they need the administration to like, you know, give them, you know, some time to because it's going to take some time to, you know, to build up this roster and these coaching, you know, th- this coaching staff to like do what they were hired to do. It kind of sounds like Stanford is willing to give people as much time as they need. I mean, it's not like, David Shaw was fired. After all, he resigned. Uh, looked at men's basketball. Oh boy. Uh, do I have to, (laughs) I mean, I mean, talk about the job security you have here and just some of the apathy. We, it seems we have towards athletics at some time. It is that, is that your read that Troy Taylor just basically gets to have as much time as he wants with what sort of looks like a good, uh, coaching staff to like build this stuff up he's got at least half a decade here. I mean, he can't expect a quick turnaround here at Stanford. It's just impossible. I mean, there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle a couple days ago, and Tara Vanderveer almost sort of opened up about some of the transfer restrictions. We already knew there were restrictions, but she sort of gave some details. And she said she's not allowed to recruit junior or senior transfers mm. and that they have to start planning like grad people to transfer in like almost a year in advance to get into specific Stanford grad programs. And just, Didn't she like, lose like one of her best players to UCLA? Yeah, too? I mean, everything's falling apart here. In Stanford. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, you lost three. She had three transfers out, including the former number one recruit. Uh, but that's yeah, it it's really, really restrictive. NIL is I don't I personally don't think NIL is as big of a concern for Stanford, unless mm-hmm. it's one of those multi-million dollar deals, because I think you can make a good good faith argument that hey, this degree might be worth more over. Yeah, years. well right, yeah. So I don't think it's as big of a concern for students. Right, like, like it's such like a that. it's such a crutch. Like every fan base, like that's the immediate crutch that they go to is like, oh, they're stealing our players with a paying bunch of money. Right. I mean, half a decade ago, people coaches were complaining about the recruiting advantage of Stanford. Uh, yeah, the transfer portal is a gigantic issue for this university, and you have to give Troy Taylor a good amount of time here because this is, I mean, he's, and really for me this season, if he does what last year's team does and is a little more competitive, that's a success because, I mean, this roster is just so much weaker than it was last year. Well, it's just smaller. I mean, it's just like yeah. it's crazy how much smaller it is. I mean, yeah. you know, like, you know, like I said, I, I'm I maintain a, you know an entire database, you know, for the uh, for the entire Pac-12, and I'm you know able to calculate the entire, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know the 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 average you know talent composite, you know, and it's uh, you know it's going down. You know, in mm-hmm. in in 2021, you know they were the fourth most talented team, and and you know they are now down to number five. You know, or you know Utah surpassed them this year, um, just barely, but they did. And like UCLA is nipping at their heels. And I mean, if Chip Kelly is out recruiting you, like, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. boy, you know, uh, like you know that they're. Uh, like you know Stanford is an interesting recruiting environment because like you know it's hard for them to turn the ship but like it's also very difficult for certain recruits to turn down the promise of a Stanford degree like there's like you know 
for 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 the disadvantages, there, there's also a bunch of really interesting advantages that Stanford mm-hmm. has as well. And like you know, and one of the reasons I think that, that David Shaw like held on to his job for as long as he did, you know, I, I don't mean like held on, like resisted the administration's attempt to fire him because like what attempt? Oh, there was, yeah. <laughs> but like I feel like the the narrative that he told himself as a Stanford man was that like I you know I have to hold on to this job, you know, I have to hold the door. Uh, is because like only I understand the unique ways, you know, that you have to recruit at Stanford to stay on top. And like, he kind of did, you know, like, and it wasn't until the very end that the, you know, the average talent rating started to fall. Um, but boy, it's going to be hard to build it up. You know, now that there's been this max es- mass exodus, cause it's like, they, they can't just shove 50 dudes in the door. Yeah, it's I would agree with that. And that's the big question here is, is does the team look more competitive? Uh, do some guys develop? And is Taylor able to pull in a recruiting class that's very solid in 2024? Actually, I do have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. I know they can't just shove 50 dudes in the door as portal dudes. But like, is there any reason why they can't just recruit as true freshmen? Like 50, you know, like, like you know, 2024 recruits like does Stanford say, no, you can't do that. We can't afford that many scholarships. It's a good question. I, I mean, if you did 50, that would get some of the roster management issues, maybe in terms of size, but I, I see what you're saying. Uh, that's what it's going to have to be a lesser version of that. It's going to, you have to have really, really strong recruiting classes and a lot of depth there because you're going to have guys transfer regardless, but I don't know the exact answer to your question on what admin says on that, but I mean, the cutting sports stuff, you, do you remember when they tried to cut oh, yeah. sports? Yeah. I mean, the, the cynical view was and prevailing view of why that happened was not money. It's because the admin, like just or the board trustees wanted more spots for non-athletes. I mean, that's what the cynical take is and what most people think was the real reason behind that. You uh, so mean because a, of the Aunt Becky scandal? <laughs> well, that too also happens. It's, there's just a lot of, unfortunately, devaluing of sports here in the last, decade or so on Stanford in terms of like where it is and the importance of in the community. And I mean, the way this, they've lost the director's cup now two straight years. And right now, I know, based unacceptable. On, yeah. Based on my spreadsheet calculations, I have, it's probably going to be close, but right now they're losing it to Texas. If you project out the standings again. Uh, so it's just been disappointing. Just sort of the way there there's just, and a lot of that starts with the students too. There isn't much, no one really cares too much on campus. Uh, but then, there's not the support at other schools here at Stanford. So that needs to get up. I know there's a new NIL collective that was finally making public some of the information they have on NIL, but you see Stanford, they don't really want to pub like put out their NIL programs like other schools do. They're not advertising their NIL collectives because they don't view it really as part of their mission and they want to keep it sort of on, on the down low because their student body, probably a lot of it doesn't really agree with it too much and wouldn't be too happy if they knew how much some of our men's basketball players are getting paid. I mean, Uh, it is awfully gauche. Right. Yeah. So the student, they know, they almost know that the student body would not like absolutely adore the NIL and knowing what all this is. So uh, it's not a great situation. I mean, whatever. They're they're all going to drop out as second years to start up, you know, fraudulent (laughs) medical devices, you know, corporations. We love that scandal. Snooker, you know, former secretaries of state out of their VC money. Are you, is there, is that like a stigma, you know, directed towards you, Jabril, that you haven't dropped out yet? Like, oh, yeah. That you're actually going the distance. Right. Yeah. I know. Horrible. I know. But I guess the thing I'll say on Stanford is just like, 
yeah, it, it's, it's really almost a crossroads moment and almost more so with the whole realignment stuff that's going down. I, it's, it's really, you have no, we, it, yeah. us as Stanford fans are quite worried about the future of Stanford athletics and how much emphasis administration, how much is the administration going to care about it? Cause like for us, we think this is what makes us different from all the Ivy league schools is we were all raised trying to go to Stanford because, okay, we can be the best in athletics and in academics. We can do that. Like that's part of our pride and just, uh, yeah, it's what makes us unique and it's sort of very much in jeopardy right now with the whole yeah, realignment. I, I mean, it's interesting if you study the military academies because like they made a very deliberate choice to be like, you know, even though these are, you know, academic centers of excellence that we are de very deliberately going to compete at Division One, you know, athletics, you know, for, for reasons that are like corridor institutional mission. And it was interesting to see Stanford, of all things, you know, decide, I think, for very similar reasons to the military academies, although not for martial purposes, but for like, for, for institutional identity, you know, reasons to do the same thing. Um, and yet you're, I think you're absolutely right about Stanford being at a crossroads with, you know, conference realignment and potential like blowing up at the PAC 12 where, you know, there's a universe in which a potential universe in which, you know, Stanford, Cal, you know, some of the state schools, you know, like yeah. effectively become FCS programs. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, essentially because, you know, without some of the more revenue oriented schools propping them up that like there's no in there's less internal and in, intrinsic interest. And and, you know, that I mean, oh, got to be tragic. Uh, I, I love, you know, goofy Stanford like and I love studying their wacky, you know, roster management conundrums. <laughs> it's fascinating. Like. Uh, you know, I, I know like it's very nerdy, uh, but like, boy, you know, for anybody who listens to this podcast, you know, you must share, you know, that, that sort of interest. I, gosh, you know, it would be awful. Uh, I really hope they figure out how to make this work. And like, you know, Troy Taylor made it work at, 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 mm -hmm. at Sac State, you know, like it was not a super high resource program, you know, and not one that enjoyed a whole ton of success before he got there. So like, yeah. I, I should think, you know, if anybody can figure out how to navigate this mess you know he's got a pretty good chance so uh, yeah i'm rooting for him yep just excitement and hope you're one absolutely uh well take it from me jabriel uh u of o grad you gotta drop the academic goals just focus on the football the college is actually just a shell for the yep, sports for and, sure uh, the quicker you learn that i think the better the university will be <laughs> jabriel so nice to have you back on truly i mean Recruiting for this podcast is very important so we can have a listenable product. And it's really excellent to have someone who's so knowledgeable about Stanford football. Um, once again, everyone, please follow Jabril Taha at Jabril Taha, J-I-B-R-I-E-L-T-A-H-A on Twitter. Also, KDSU Sports Radio at Stanford Daily, too. Keep your eye on that. See what Stanford's got up their sleeve for the future. Uh, a new era. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens here. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Jabril. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and Hithliday, um, nice talking to you again. Uh, I'm excited for the next roster review. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, pleasure as always. Take care, guys. All right. See you all next week. Quack, quack.